Just want to start in Luke 14, 25 to 35. If you've got your Bibles or your devices, go to Luke 14, 25. In fact, I'm only going to read to 27, 25 to 27. And this is what it says. It says, large crowds were now traveling with Jesus. And he turned to them and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, child, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When reading this, it's quite a a difficult text to read. We read it and we think, that's quite harsh, Jesus. You mean, like, I've got to hate my family, or I've got to hate my loved ones, or I've got to... Uh, hate those who I was grow, I grew up with, but I believe here that what Jesus is using is something called uh, something called uh, hyperbolic language. Is when you use language to exaggerate what you mean, like an emphasis to emphasise a point. So what Jesus is basically saying that your primary allegiance must be to the King and to the Kingdom, because anything else that gets in the way to try and steal our commitment. Uh, to God, or committing to the kingdom, will, will cause us to deny the king, deny his kingship or his lordship over our life. So when I started to read this, the first thing that came to my mind was commitment. The word commitment kept coming back to me, commitment, commitment. And I was like, right, okay. So I'm looking at my own life and I'm, thinking, I'm looking at where I'm at and, I, and how I've, over the years of being a Christian, how have I uh, grown in commitment? How have I developed my commitment to God? What does it look like? But I just want to look at the word, uh, the meaning of committed or to be committed. And some meanings here it says, to make a vow of commitment or dedication, an agreement or pledge to do something in the future. A dedication to a long-term course of action, engagement, or involvement. A dedication to a particular organization, cause, or a belief, and a willingness to get involved. So here we already have an understanding of what it means to be committed. It means to be dedicated to something. And then while I was doing this, I was thinking about God's dedication to me, God's commitment to me. And over the years... It's blown my mind that God goes so far as to be committed to me, even when I'm not committed to him. Even when I mess up and I make mistakes and I fall short. You know, I might betray God or I might disobey God or I might trip up. I might even turn my back on God sometimes. Over the 20 years that I've served the Lord, there's times when I've, I've gone through uh, valleys and, and, and hard times and, and I've, I've struggled to be committed to God. But he remains faithful to me and that blows my mind. I'm like... God, why do you keep loving me even though I don't always love you the best that I could do? Why are you still committed to me, God, when I'm not always committed to you? And then I think about relationships and I think about my relationship with people. And I think, you know, sometimes in relationships, things break down because we're not always committed to each other. We want to be. We want to be committed. We want to love people to the best of our ability. But sometimes in that relationship, there's stumbling blocks. the things that get in the way of relationships and, and relationships break down. But in our relationship with God, when we break down on, on our part, he stays faithful. He carries on. He, he does his part. He keeps his, his covenant with us. And that blows my mind. And I'm thinking, God, help me to do that in relationship with people. 
Help me to do that in my relationship with those around me. Yeah, we may fall out, we may bicker, we may do something against each other and offend one another. But in that relationship, help me to stay committed to my brother, committed to my sister, committed to those around me in relationship. And I remember Laura, yeah, my fiancé passed away a few years ago. We weren't even engaged yet, and I had a nasty motorbike accident, and uh, I was in hospital for a whole month. And one of the things that really sparked me about Laura is her commitment to me. Me had only been going out a few months, and there I was in the hospital, and day in, day out, she was there. Day in, day out, she would come all the way up to the hospital, she would carry down two buses to be there, and this blew my mind. I thought we've only been dating a few months, and this, this woman was there day in, day out, apart from a Sunday when she was here with everyone else worshipping. Yeah, and uh, it, but m- Monday to Saturday, she was dedicated. She was committed to being by my side. And that blew my mind. And, and that, for me, was like a game changer. I knew she loved me. I thought, this woman loves me. And, and it was that point I said, you know what? She's the one. <laughs> she is the one. If this woman is going to come and be dedicated day in, day out to me at my lowest time, at my at broken, I can't even walk, I, I'm in my lowest place but there she is being committed being dedicated and uh, yeah it blew my mind and then thinking about um, commitment and about God's committing to us I I think about before I came to the Lord and before I became a Christian I was sold out for the devil I was sold out and 100% committed to drugs, crime gang life, whatever it was I was sold out for that thing but then I think when I come to Christ now, why can't I have that same tenacity, that same mindset for being sold out for the things of the world and turn it around and be sold out for the things of God? And, and as I'm reading, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, I was committed to my dealer every morning, every day, every night. I was committed to the off-license. Have you got my drinking? Have you got my fags? Have you got this? And I was committed to that stuff. The things that the, the, the world had to offer to me, I was committed to the world. The things that destroyed my life. Even though I, I, knew, I knew they destroyed me, but I was still committed to them. But now I come to Christ and Jesus is saying, look, will, will you be committed to me? Will you lay everything down for me? And I think, well, if I was committed to that all that much, why can't I now turn it around, have that same tenacity, like a pit bull on a pork chop? Arr! Yeah? That same drive, that same passion to be committed to the things of God. And so I remember that. And then I think about where I'm at in, in, in my walk now with God. And I think, is there things in my life that I'm more committed to than God? And I can, I can do an inventory and, a, and a, a check in my heart. Am I more committed to my PS4 than I am to prayer? Am I more committed to Netflix than I am to... To, 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 to worship. I'm more committed to Domino's pizzas, you know what I mean, than I am to, to get, getting fit and getting healthy. You know, it made me think about in May, I, uh, <laughs> I actually, at a time of confession, I actually bought a uh, month pass at the gym. And I said, I'm going to be committed to getting fit and getting healthy. And I paid the £25 for the month. And you know what? I didn't even show up one day. I didn't even show up one day, a whole month wasted. I said, I'm going to be committed to the gym. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to look after the temple of the Holy Spirit because how many know this is the temple? We've got to look after it. But I failed. <laughs> I wasn't committed. Praise the Lord. But how many know we can, we can change, you know, and God can help us to get our commitment back on track and, and, and get it in, in order.
All right. So, this portion of scripture that we've read, a little bit before that in Luke 9, he says something that's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's along the same lines. So, we're going to look at Luke 9, 23 to 25, and he says this. Then Jesus said to all of them, every single one of them, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very self? And I was saying, what does it mean to take up your cross? What does it mean to carry your cross daily? And the cross is, is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of self-denial. It's a place that when I have thoughts in my head that are contrary to the things of God, I have to nail them to the cross. When the enemy comes and says, come on, Gary, let's go and do some stupidity. No, I've got to nail that to the cross. When my flesh says I want a desire to do something sinful, instead of going, yeah, come on, flesh, let's go and do this, I've got to say, no, I'm going to nail it to the cross. And so by carrying my cross daily, I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to deny what my flesh wants to do. I'm going to deny the pleasures of my flesh. I'm going to nail it to the cross. The enemy of commitment is compromise. The enemy of commitment is compromise. Little by little, we can allow the things of the world to get into our minds, then into our hearts, and then into our lifestyle. And we've all been there. I've been there where sometimes... We can be tired, we can be overworked, we can be going through struggles and battles, and the little foxes, the enemy is so subtle, can plant a thought and say, go on, do this, go on, do that, you know you want to. But in that, we allow the compromise to come in, and little by little, we drift off the narrow path, we drift away from the things of God. But it doesn't mean to say that we can get back on track with our commitment. It doesn't mean to say that we can't realise where we've veered off track and say, you know what, ah, I'm going to put a stop to it today and I'm going to come back into order. Because that's where the blessing is, with obedience. When we're, when we're obedient to God, the blessing flows. When we come off that place of disobedience, that's when the blessing, the tap of the, the, the blessing stops. And we want that blessing in our life to keep flowing. The Bible calls it backsliding when we come away from the things of God. When little by little, we start allowing more compromise, more compromise. As we sat there, the Spirit of God was speaking to me and saying that it's like being in a boat. And when the boat is compromised because it's got a hole in it, the boat starts to sink or it starts filling up with water. It starts filling up with uh, all the things of the world. You start to drown. And so that's what it's like for us. We're in the boat with Jesus going along in life. And if we allow that little compromise to come into our life, the, the hole gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Before you know it, we find ourselves sinking and drowning in life with the cares of life coming against us. There are consequences to compromising the instructions that God gives us, which lead to all kinds of issues. This can be found in Deuteronomy 28, where he says, Obey me and be blessed disobey me and be cursed and we think about that and, and we think does that still carry on to the new testament well these are principles when we see the word cursed we think that's a heavy word what i'm going to be cursed if i disobey god what it really means is the blessing will be blocked it means the blessing will stop 
And so where we used to have a constant flow of blessing and peace and love and joy, because we're in that place of compromise and disobedience, now the enemy's allowed to come in because we've come out from under the authority of God and, and started to serve the world and serve the things of God, uh, sorry, the things of the, the enemy. Now the enemy comes in and he can have a field day with us. You know, he has a field day with our mind. He has a field day with our lifestyle. And this is when the trouble starts. But once we realize that there's compromise, we can kick the devil back out the door. Get out, stay out, don't come back into my life. But sometimes we try to kick the devil out without first submitting ourselves to God. The Bible says in James, you know, submit to God, resist the devil, then he'll flee. But sometimes we try to resist the devil and hope that he'll flee without submitting to God first. So it's important that we submit to God, stop the compromise, get back on track with commitment, then resist the devil, and then he'll flee. We become, uh, we, we become the compromising Christian, which the Bible calls the double-minded man in James 1, 6b to 8. It says, Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So there they are, trying to cry out, say, God, I want to be blessed, I want to be blessed, I want the blessing. But God's saying, get into order first. Get back into order, then the, then the blessing will flow. Sometimes we want our cake and eat it. We want to have our cake. I want to, I want to be disobedient and have the blessing. I want to live in compromise and have the blessing. Because God says, it doesn't work like that. Come into order, follow the commitment, and then you can have the blessing of God in your life. God, Jesus teaches about the narrow path, Matthew 7 and 13. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. You know, and it's, it's not easy to stay on the narrow path. It's hard. But that's why church is here. That's what church is about. We've got people who we can be accountable to. We've got people who can surround us and help us to stay on the narrow path. I look to some of you to help me to stay on the narrow path. I look to Chris or to the leadership and to my friend Dale. If he sees me out of order, I can say, Dale, if I'm out of order, tell me. <laughs> I want to stay on the narrow path. And often he does. He'll say, Gary, you've got veering off the track. And I'll listen to him because we need correction in our lives. It's good to have correction. If I don't have accountability and correction and integrity, I'm in trouble. Because the Bible says our heart is deceitfully wicked, morally sick. Our own hearts can deceive us. We can think that we're all right in God when actually we're not. And we can be in trouble in that, in that place. Revelation 3, 15 to 16 talks about the compromising Christian is likened to a lukewarm Christian. And that lukewarmness is a dangerous place to be. I mean, we all, can all start off as young Christians. We, we might start off as a carnal Christian. We move our way up to a compromising Christian. And then we become a committed Christian as we mature. We get to that place where we start to be steadfast in our commitment. We might slip back into being a compromising Christian. But the worst thing to do is to slip even further back into a carnal Christian again. Which some have done, the Bible talks about, that they've gone from commitment Christian to compromising Christian, they've gone right back into a carnal Christian, to a reprobate mind, and they go back into the world, and some of them even fall away from the faith. All right, praise God. So, Colossians 2, 6-7 says, 
And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus, as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know what keeps me committed to God? Thankfulness, gratefulness. When I wake up and I think, man, I should be in a nut house. I should be in a jail. I should be dead. I should, loads of things should have happened to me, but by the grace of God, the goodness of God, he's kept me. And that's what grace is, getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you should deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. And when I think about the grace of God, the mercy of God, it makes me thankful, it makes me want to commit myself to God. I remember the woman that came in to wash the feet of Jesus uh, with her tears and, with her, and dry his feet with, his hair, with her hair. There was a scripture there that says, many who have been forgiven much, love much. And I think about all the things God's forgiven me for, and I think that gives me that heart, that passion, that drive to be committed to God, to be committed to the church, to be committed to the cause, and to be committed to the kingdom. And so that's where I get my drive and my purpose from. In the book, A Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren writes, we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit's work. Throughout the Bible, we see an important truth illustrated over and over again. The Holy Spirit releases his power the moment you take a step of faith. When Joshua was faced with an impassable barrier, the flood waters of the Jordan River receded only after the, le- the, the leaders only after the leaders stepped into the rushing current in obedience to faith. So they didn't wait for God to stop the current first. They stepped out in obedience and then the current stopped. And this reminded me of when I used to try and lead my dad to the Lord. And I used to tell him about Jesus. And he used to say, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I said, no, dad. I I said, you've got to believe it first and then you'll see it. Don't wait to see it first and then believe it. Step out in faith, dad. You know, believe that Jesus is Lord and then you'll see the goodness of God. Then you'll see the kingdom of God working out in front of you. Obedience unlocks God's power, the goodness of obedience. That when you you step out in obedience and you see the blessing, hang on a minute, I stepped out in obedience and a blessing came. Hmm, I wonder if I step out again in obedience, another blessing will come. Take another step, hang on a minute, another blessing. Then you keep stepping out in obedience, the blessing just keeps coming. Blessing, blessing, blessing after blessing. Praise the Lord. So, Another thing that's been on my heart over the last few months, looking at the world and the news and the way that things are going with all these wars and rumours of wars, I think it's fair to say that we're in the end times. I mean, all that's going on, you know, I'm not here to predict dates or tell you when Jesus is going to come back. But there's a scripture that's been on my heart recently about the uh, the ten virgins or the ten bridesmaids. And in Matthew 25... I think it's 1 to 13, says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five, were, sorry, the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil, olive oil for their lamps. They weren't committed to their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they aroused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. 
Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some yourself. But while they were gone to buy, buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him and the marriage feast, uh, sorry, to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, it says, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. I'm just going to finish on one final scripture before the worship team comes up. It says in 1 John 2, 4-6, it says, If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's not easy to live like Jesus did, but it's possible. It's not easy to live like Jesus did, but it's necessary. Living like Jesus did brings the blessing. Following the footsteps of Jesus brings entrance into the kingdom. And so today, wherever you're at or whatever you're going through in your life, I pray that God's spoken to you and encouraged your heart that wherever you're up to in your walk, that if you find yourself that you've slipped off the path or you find this area of compromise, be encouraged today. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel like there's no way out. I've been there. I've, I've been the, the compromising Christian and I've been the carnal Christian. But in crying out to God and saying, God, help me. God, help me get back to being a committed Christian. It was like a, a defibrillator. A spiritual defibrillator came into my life and shocked me back to life. I was able to get back on the path. I was able to get right with God. So, Father, I just pray today, Lord, for your congregation, for your people, Lord. I pray you help us wherever we're at, Lord God, whether it's in relationships, we're having struggles, Lord, and you want to heal relationships, whether it's with our relationship with you, Lord, and our obedience and our commitment to you, Father. I just pray you help us, Lord, and encourage us to, to get on the narrow path, stay on the narrow path, Lord. We don't know when you're coming back, Lord. We don't know the day and we don't know the time. But one thing we do know is we don't want to be left behind, Lord. We want to be ready when the time comes, Father God. We want to be able to carry our cross daily, Lord God. Yes, it's not easy, but God, we are in a church of people where we can look out for each other. We can be unified. We can strengthen one another. We don't have to fight our battles in the corner on our own. We can come together. We can share our struggles. We can share our burdens with one another. And in doing so, we can grow as the church you want us to be, committed to you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.